find a cure. <laughs> <laughs> um, so the you know, overall idea, it's gonna be like, you know, since Pluto return, there are like four or five or six like news items, things that have happened that I think are directly related to and like are the perfect example of what a Pluto return looks like, especially the beginning of one. Um, and it's kind of like, you know, each individual sin. So I think what we'll do is a little personal update and just all that kind of stuff, just get people, ease people in gently. Uh, and then I'm gonna ask you about, you know, Mars and Jupiter and that's on the 29th. 29th, uh, and I can just double check it. Hold on. Dur, 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 dur. Yeah, it's on the 29th. Where did you go now? Fuck. 29th okay, of May. And then Mars and Neptune is. is Mars, Neptune, actually, we're under August. the influence of it as we experience it. What you're referring to is the Mars Uranus. Uh, and so there's an element so, of like yes. maybe even like a beginning place is to talk about Pluto and Mars as relevant to violence, um, war military policing and toxic masculinity. You know, those two planets are the ones we look to for that. Mm -hmm. um, or masculinity and toxic masculinity, because not all masculinity yeah. is toxic, of course. Word. Okay, so I'm gonna start and then we'll do it live, but not live, but you know. I know the drill, I'm into it. All right. And on the count of, let's do Greek, alpha, beta, gamma, delta. <laughs> Hello, and welcome back to the Focused on Infinity podcast with Logan Grendel. I am Logan Grendel, and we have uh, a guest who I am just so very excited to have back. Our last conversation was amazing, and things have, uh, I mean, look, we can't say definitively that we have been proven right or wrong, but uh, you don't need to be a weatherman to know which way the wind is blowing, as they say. So I would love to let our guest, Jessica, introduce herself. Okay, well, thank you for having me back. This is just such a joy getting to talk to you again. Uh, I'm Jessica Lignato. I'm an astrologer, uh, psychic medium, animal communicator, nerd, lover of books. And I think we can say we were pretty right on the nose. And I feel like we could we could keep we could keep running with our track record. And uh, yeah, <laughs> I feel like I feel like we're gonna do that here today. Excellent. Uh, it's unfortunate, you know, one of my <laughs> one of my th favorite things to say is, I hope I'm wrong, but I don't think I am. And I think there's going to be a lot of that uh, in this conversation. So it's going to get kind of heavy. That's just one of the things that it's going to be. But as always, like with Pluto, which we're going to talk a lot about, it's not breaking things down just to hurt you. It's to renew. It's to make room for things. So in fact, I think the reason that we should be approaching all this from a hopeful standpoint is that nothing good was ever going to happen if things stayed as they were. But yep. uh, before we get into it deeply, let me ask Jessica, what have you been up to? How have you been doing? You know, is there anything interesting, fun you'd like to share that has been going on in, in your life related to or unrelated to any of the astrological shenanigans? I mean, I've just been hanging out, watching the world burn, um, feeling, you know, I've just noticed that since the eclipse, I'm like crying for no reason, which sun, moon and rising are all in Capricorn for me. So that's like very fucking mm -hmm. unusual for me. But I just think there's so much trauma and there's so much pain mm -hmm. and there's 
so much happening globally, domestically. Yeah, it's just been a really emotional time. Um, yeah. But on the positive, I, I have a little garden and uh, tomatoes are coming up, strawberries. We got so many peaches on the tree this year and I was assaulted by plums today, which was really fun. If you sit under a plum tree long enough, like in, you're gonna get assaulted by a plum. Uh, and you know, my plums are a lot of pit and not a lot of fruit. So, you know, it was an experience. It just kept me awake, you know? <laughs> um, maybe they knew that we were both gonna be wearing purple and they were warning us to represent their color well. <laughs> well, here we do. My plums, I think are a little more on the, the like uh, Merlot vibe. Ooh, so I okay. feel like maybe that's why they're pissed. They're like, you should be doing Merlot. What is this? Um, <laughs> but I was, I was like, oh, I'm just sitting outside relaxing. I'm like taking care of myself and then pelted by a tree, just pelted by a tree. But again, <laughs> to keep it positive, which is not my forte, uh, hummingbirds, the hummingbirds were there and they were like, ha, you dumb bitch. And that was fun for me. Because I love hummingbirds. I don't care if they're sassy. I love them. That is really funny. Uh, you had, you had a Newton moment. Yes. Exactly. Uh, speaking, I mean, as an Aquarius rising uh, and Capricorn moon, I definitely feel you on the generally not uh, highly emotional, but I had a weird experience where I was, so there's, I walk dogs um, and I'm walking by with, and there's these two dogs. I know there's this stoop that I go by where usually these two dogs, they, they sit out there, they're tied out there and they just go absolutely bonkers when I go by with the other dogs and one of my dogs hates them. So I just know to watch out. So I was walking by there a few days ago and I was like, oh, here we come, here we come. And we walking by and like, no, no barking. And then I see that there's just one dog sitting out there. These two were, were two old dogs. And I just immediately started tearing up. Like it was just, I was like, I, I miss this dog that has been, you know, <laughs> making my life annoying for years now. And like, now they're gone. And like, I feel so, I feel so much sadder about it that, you know, it just kind of just jumped on me, mm. uh, which, you know, like you said, there's just so much residual trauma in the yeah. air right now that uh, it's, you know, doesn't take much when you have dry tinder <laughs> to spark a fire. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it, anyone who's been paying attention to astrology over the past few years could have known, should have known that this was going to be a bad time. And I'll say the last couple of years, I have been asked countless times, like literally I cannot count. When's it going to get better? When's it going to be over? And I just wish people would never ask me that question because it's been the pregame show until 2022. Everything that we've been going through over the last several years, as terrible as, as it's been, has been the pre-game show. Yeah. This, this is it. And it's going to get worse before it gets better. And I think that, um, you know, to your point just earlier, there's no other way for it to have gone, right? I mean, yeah. if it stayed the same, it would be getting worse. That's reality. Yeah. But I... I do have a, a great deal of fears and I'm glad that you warn people at the start of this conversation that um, it's a bit heavy because we can't talk about what's happening in this world without it getting heavy. Yeah, that is real. Um, I wanted to give a little overview, just talking about the Pluto, um, America's Pluto return. And it's, it's a good thing that people don't get those because <laughs> it's a lot. It is Pluto returning to the place that it was when a 
place or a thing or a concept came into being, right? Rather than saying was born. And in that time, everything is going to come out. And Pluto is not gentle. Um, there's something about Saturnian energy, which as a Capricorn moon, I can understand. It's like, you know, it'll kick you out of the nest, but it'll often catch you. It'll like fly down and catch you and be like, see, you didn't die. Pluto's not like that. Pluto is like everything must go. And, you know, the devil take the hindmost, as they say. And we began that process. And it's only, uh, as Jessica said, it's only the beginning of that process. And there are several events that, to me, show that we are in the beginning of that process. And it's everything nasty about this country coming out into the open. It's everything, all the soil getting dug up, all the rotten foundations are being laid bare so that it is literally impossible to ignore them. And it's kind of happening all at once. And I want to, I'm trying to kick you out of the nest and we're going to catch you at the end, right? Because in talking about, you know, uh, Roe versus Wade and the Buffalo shooting and the uh, and America beginning its journey with unearthing residential schools and uh, the trans bans and other things of that nature, all of that should have been expected, right? Because that's what America is. That's what America was born in. And the, <laughs> the best thing that happened for the people in charge is that they successfully lied to us about all of it. But there's no more lying. Pluto is there, and you're going to see the truth deeply. Um, I just want to get your uh, your your idea about you know all of the above, Jessica. I mean, I agree with everything you're saying, and um, you know, the potential loss of Roe v. Wade, of course, is devastating. But the way that we're losing it is we're losing the right to privacy, and that is a dumpster fire that will set ablaze everything, everything. Yes. And I don't think that people sufficiently understand how truly destructive that is and how many rights are predicated on the right to privacy. Um, so, you know, before this is done, we may be living in a fascistic state that is governed by evangelical Christians and their far-right extremist values and it will all be legal. And I think that what people really um, fail to grasp in the US, because there's this way that Americans feel like they're the center of everything and nothing bad can happen here, even, uh, even people who terrible things have happened to them. There's this, you know, this Kool-Aid we all drink here, the land of the free, but nations fall from democracy into autocracies, you know, fascistic states, et cetera, um, mm -hmm. throughout the world. It happens. We are not immune. And I think that for as long as, I don't know, it's like I want to, I, I, I want to like put a bow on that. It's very hard to talk about truly, truly talk about without being a mammoth bummer and being upsetting because I'll just say very clearly, the astrology of this period it's relentless. It's yeah. terrible. And, you know, I think it's important that we add to the pile, the crap pile, uh, COVID, which is not over. And I'm seeing tons of people that I know and respect running around the world 
filming it without a mask on while cases are going up rapidly. Mm -hmm. And, you know, even in the world of astrologers, there's like in-person astrology events occurring. And I'm just like, what kind of astrologer is not seeing this? Like, and I think some of this is about different ways of practicing. I think it's also about when you're involved, when you're a subject, you are not objective. And so many people have a hard time looking at tragedy and saying, oh, this is tragedy and I have to stay associated with it. We disassociate from things that we don't know how to process. Mm. And uh, COVID is definitely on that list. And um, yeah, I think yeah. it's going to get significantly worse. Yeah. And it's a part of all of this. You know, this mass disabling event cannot mm. be separated from all of these other things. Because while our, you know, our personal lives are chaotic as we're like dealing with this once in a century event, they're passing legislation. They're like, they're using their time. So that's that's where I'll start off. Okay. I mean, shout out to Naomi Klein's shock doctrine. They will not let uh, a good opportunity, good opportunity, and obviously finger quotes, uh, go to waste. And it's whenever you're distracted, you can expect them to loot the store and make things worse. That's what they do. And everything that you said, obviously, like completely true. And I will go just one step further and say that the reason that this Pluto return is going to be, you know, when the planets come back in to check on you, it's kind of like, hey, so how you been since last time I was here? Oh, really bad. Okay, well then you're fucked. Yeah. It's like, absolutely. you know, and, and so America has, America is a fascist country and it has always been a fascist country. The Nazis, literally, this is not figurative, right? got their ideas from us. Yep. After the yep. Second World War, we got rid of socialists, communists from all, all American government, basically from public American life. But on the other side, we brought in literal Nazis into NASA, into high places in the government, and uh, otherwise left them alone, right? That should tell you exactly what this country's leanings are and always have been right yeah. the you know the people who are who i think are like most responsible for the way that america is set up in ways that make it worse uh and better for those that have that kind of agenda are like henry ford and robert moses because they were both interested in there being no diversity right so they set everything up around cars which helped them set th things up around money they literally put up physical barriers they created suburbs where you need cars to get to they did all of that so that they could keep people separate and also hooked on fossil fuels right there's so many things that were baked into you know my new favorite catchphrase is everything in the world is that way because someone made it that way things yep. are not that way by accident and it's one thing to think that everything is a conspiracy of like lizard people and you know, it's the Anunnaki and like all that sort of thing. Like, no, you don't need that kind of conspiracy because there are real people conspiring in secret that we know about, right? Yes. That have these things. And, and here's the thing that a lot of people don't want to accept is that they are more American. We say things all the time like, oh, this isn't us right? That's so un-American of them. No, no. Wanting women to have agency over their body, wanting pregnant people to be able to terminate pregnancies, right? That's the anomaly. Yeah. Wanting people like me 
brown people who are witches and queer to be able to do whatever they want to in public life. That's the anomaly, right? Mm -hmm. And so what we do need to do is reconnect all of these different things because it's all the same thing and it always has been. And what I'm hoping is that the, the liberals, liberal feminists who are general, like generally capital D Democrats will begin to understand that we have not been too radical. It's that like, there are some things that you haven't been able to see and we hope you see them now. And we hope that you can basically join the rest of us in the struggles that we have always been dealing with every day, right? So let me, let me hop in on that because Please. that starts to really get into some deep Pluto ship. So when we're dealing with Pluto, Plutonian energies on an individual level, we're dealing with the things that we have shame around. Uh, we are dealing with uh, toxicity, uh, abuse, healing, uh, transformation, uh, addiction, all manner of things. So when we look at something like genocide, which, you know, the genocide of the indigenous populations here, uh, slavery, all manner of things that are the most American things, right? The things that yeah. this country was, was uh, predicated on. It's all plutonium, right? And so, okay. Okay, uh, now I come back to on an individual level. On an individual level, how do we heal Pluto problems? Therapeutically, we go into therapies to go deep, but that's not all. The way to heal Pluto issues is to not isolate. It's to not be alone with yourself because as what is, uh, Brene Brown has a great quote about shame uh, grows alone in a Petri dish. We must bring our shame into the light so that it cannot flourish. That's not a quote, that's like a ish quote. But um, uh, paraphrase, very deep paraphrase. So yeah. the the thing that I passionately believe, and this is actually a big part of why I started my podcast uh, back in 2020, 2018. It was 2018, I'm a liar. Um, I think maybe it's 2019. Forget what I'm saying. <laughs> but the reason why I started the podcast is because from a spiritual astrological perspective, if we do not come together, if we do not come together in our shame and our terror, for a collective cause, then they win because they want us in our rage and resentment, our, our guilt and our shame, depending on where you are, right? They want us to be isolated from each other because divided we fall, period. Mm -hmm. And so when it comes to deep Pluto transits individually or collectively, we must be able to be in our powerful, intense, ugly, messy feelings in the presence of others. And so, you know, if anyone is listening to this and they have guilt, um, if anyone is listening to this and they have rage, it is important to find healthy places to be in, in like community around those emotions uh, and to not rest there, to then expand that sense of community because we are the majority. We are the majority, non-whites, non-cis males, non-evangelical Christians, uh, non, I mean, maybe white people are majority, but other than that, we're the fucking majority. Yeah. So we have power that we're not tapping into because of our trauma, because of all the things we're fighting against. And because it is easier when you are liberal, whether you're like fakely, fake liberal or deeply progressive, like if you're any kind of anywhere on the spectrum of liberalness, it is far easier to only wanna be around people who agree with you so that you can focus on the, the specific details of what you believe to be right. Whereas people who fall in line and do what their 
pastor says or their daddy says or their boss says, you know, differences aren't their business. They just keep their heads down and they keep on moving. And that's effective. I'm not saying it's good, but it's effective. And so there's a way that we have to be realistic about when people are scared, they become more hidden. Uh, Individuals who are scared act a certain kind of way. Groups, collectives that are scared, they're dangerous, mm-hmm. dangerous. Um, and so this is where it becomes really important for us to be really aware that this is not just a political revolution, it's a social revolution. We must be able to talk to each other in our difference, in our emotion. And we must have really a commitment to cultivating tools and skills for being in our emotions. Otherwise, the work in front of us, it's unlikely to get done. And that concerns me because, you know, it's a tall order. Yeah, it uh, it really is. Um, Yeah. Uh, Seconding everything you just said. And I do think our our biggest obstacle and um, one of the things I've been talking about a lot uh, with, you know, people that I'm kind of in the same like rough internet sphere as um, a lot of them who do believe in unity have for a while, unfortunately, believed that the way to acquire that unity is by refusing to discuss questions of identity. Because, well, no, 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 we'll t- don't worry about like the gay stuff or like the woman stuff. Like, well, we, we got to worry about the economics. And I'm like, that's not it. It doesn't work. That doesn't work. I mean, I, I just, it's so important that all of our identities come to the fore. And within that, I think what's really hard for people is like we get into kind of oppression Olympics, right? Like we get into like, why is my feelings not okay just because your feelings are stronger? And I think that that's a defensive take on what is actually something that's very important, which is my struggles are important and they're valid. And I can see that in this moment, I'm not gonna center my struggles. That's not this, you know, this conversation isn't the moment or this, this is not the time for me to center my struggles or flip that. And it is the time, you know, being able to um, not think about what's valid. Uh, It's not about validity. Everybody's pain is valid. Everybody's struggles are real and valid and deserve to be dealt with. However, there are times when it is important for us to decenter ourselves and our experiences in a conversation or in a movement. And that's where we lose people because again, we're back to Plutonian emotions. Most of us do not have the skills or the bandwidth to be in those sticky, messy, ugly emotions. And so we get defensive. Mm-hmm. And that's when we don't want to bring in difficult topics because the truth is no one gets everything right. Everyone is offensive to someone sometimes. I have done podcast episodes where I've gotten mail from people being like, that changed my life. That was so helpful. It's so healing. Thank you. And the same exact episode, the same exact thing that was offensive and you caused me harm, Hmm. you know, and, and it's, it's a, a variety of things. We cannot expect to do something of value in the world and have everyone like it and agree. We can't. All we can expect to do is try our very best and learn from our mistakes and trust that we'll make mistakes. And I think that people, especially white people, have a very difficult time with this. Um, And in certain conversations, I would say, especially men, or I would say, especially women, or especially cis people, we can go on. People who are not disabled, you know, there's like all these different ways that this plays out. 
but white culture and white supremacist culture is about good and evil. I've done it right, I've done it wrong. And it's not exclusive to white culture, obviously, but here we are in the United States and you can call it white culture. Uh, <laughs> and, and I think that something that I really struggle with is how to support white people, cis people, in using their power while, and speaking to them about what's real and asking them for humility without shutting them down. And it's an impossible task on the one hand, but on the other hand, it's simply about the cultivation of emotional intelligence. And some people might be listening to us have this part of the conversation being like, get back to politics. This is politics. Yes. Because a, a, a yes. group of people with emotional intelligence are not dangerous when they're scared. Yes. A group of people without emotional intelligence are very dangerous when they're scared. And that's how we have all manner of atrocities that have happened throughout cultures, not exclusive to capitalism or the US or anything like that. Throughout cultures, we have atrocities perpetrated by a minority because the majority doesn't have the willingness and capacity to put themselves at risk. Um, absolutely. And I'm gonna piggyback off of that and talk about, as you said, right? The emotions are political. <laughs> that is part of how you educate or miseducate a people, right? And one of the, I was just talking about this the other day, but like the inquisition to slavery, to the eradication or the attempted eradication of native peoples, that's a continuum. Yeah. And it began with European people messing up European people for hundreds of years. Yeah. And so that trauma became a willingness to inflict that other trauma yeah. onto other people. I want to insert something really briefly because Please. this is something that I feel like is important. European Christians. And I feel Absolutely. like we don't name that frequently enough. Yes. And this is such a xenophobic uh, culture we live in. It is really important to call in Christians of all racial and cultural backgrounds. Absolutely. Because there's this idea that Christians are victims somehow when they're the some of the greatest, if not the greatest perpetrators of, of violence and cruelty. And I'm not saying individual Christians are like that or that the, in, the religion's inherently flawed, but it's an important thing when we talk about Europeans, we're not talking Absolutely. about, you know, anyone but Christians. It's, yeah. That's important. Sorry, go no, back. No, 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 that is exactly what I meant. Yes, because that's, you know, that is what the Inquisition was done under. It was the, it was the homogenization of culture. And, you know, what I like to say is that you know, when you talk about the Inquisition, what it was, that was a power grab. And when you are getting rid of the local different cultures of Europe to put it all under Christianity through force, through violence, through a lot of the same exact messed up tactics that they would then visit upon people in the so-called Americas, right? That's exactly. And it was all for power. It wasn't really about the Christian faith. Individual Christians, I believe that all faiths are valid because it is your way of communicating with the divine. And yeah. that's fine with me. But <laughs> there is no religious system, right, that has been so connected with essentially the power of the vulture class, right, than Christianity, than a, a yeah. very specific yeah. breed of Christianity. And that, and that, I mean, that's one of the truths that we have to name. We yes. have to name that as, as foundational. Also, piggybacking to the other thing you said, which was, um, 
you know, that kind of like good evil thing and also the unwillingness to, you know, to deal with difficult emotions. A lot of that is part of Christianity. A lot yeah. of it is we're giving, you, you give away this life. Yeah. This life is it, anything that happens to you that's bad is the devil. And if it's good, it's God. But either way, you should be meek and you should take it. And if someone doesn't take it, then that's, it's on them. Yeah. There's, there's this thing uh, in Judaism because uh, I'm Jewish, um, that is what we are meant to do is wrestle with God. We are meant to study the words of God. We are meant to get on the mat and wrestle with uh, mm -hmm. theological concepts, with spiritual concepts. And this is, you know, I'm not a religious person, but I mean, I'm a spiritual person. I'm not religious Jew, but um, this is a really important concept that the more times I've, the more time I spend around Christians, the more I realize how radical it is for Christian culture because this idea of turning the other cheek, I mean, I've been in Christian churches in recent years um, for random reasons and looked at the Christian Bible and been stunned, stunned. I, I, I thought I was looking at a joke. Like I thought like, oh, it's just a child's book. Somebody put the wrong book in here. And I kept on looking through all the Bibles. I was like, oh my God, this is not what I expected. It's nothing, it's nothing like I expected, but mm -hmm. And that's perhaps an aside, but I, I think what's really important is this idea of being a critical thinker, of, of questioning things, of wrestling with things that you respect is mm -hmm. not a part of Christian culture by design. Um, and, and, and it is a part of other cultures and it, it is perceived as somehow like, I don't know, some sort of like, I am rejecting you because yeah. I'm questioning you. Yes. Whereas I'm a big believer in question what you love. Critique yes. what you love. And this, this is like an easy theoretical concept, but I think for people, it's really hard. You know, as an astrologer, I can see in a birth chart whether someone was raised Baptist or Catholic or Christian or somebody was not raised with religion, but is from a Christian background. Like these things tend to show up in the birth chart, which mm. is to say it's culture the cultural values of the different sects of Christianity, they show up in the birth chart. They're handed through generations. Mm. And this to me, I mean, other religions show up as well, but we're talking about Christianity. Yeah. This to me is really um, an important thing that again, does I don't hear getting talked about enough, like the cultural component of being from a Christian background, um, even if you weren't raised in a Christian household. And we must be able to excavate this because what we're living through is a right-wing extremist Christianity taking hold of the government, not for the first time. And this is where it is important as we excavate our shit that we include looking at our religious assumptions and our religious values that are so unconscious because for folks who are you know, Christian, you don't have to think about it. Yeah. Um, you, know, you never have to question it because it's just your culture everywhere you look. Anyway, yeah. so I, I feel like I interrupted you, but it's no, so, no, it's, it's so good. It's, that's so good. Um, and as a person who was, in fact, raised Christian and used to be like, you know, card carrying member of the God Squad, like, no, you're absolutely right. In fact, faith is antithetical to questioning. If you are asking questions, that's it's somehow sacrilegious. That's the worst thing you can do. And that is why Christianity specifically ties in so well to oligarchic and feudal and fascistic ways of thinking because it's like everything belongs to the Lord. 
and anything right. that you get is a gift, right? And you should be right. grateful for any little schnizzling of joy that you get that's on right. this earth and not in heaven because you're supposed to suffer, even in the Bible. Right? It's like from the beginning, because of original sin, which is misogyny, just straight up misogyny. Like, let's mm -hmm. just call it what it is, right? Yep. Misogyny is the first thing that happens. And it's like, okay, well, because of Eve, now mm -hmm. everything has to be, you're kicked out of the garden, right? And so, and it's not just um to also tie that back in, the type of Christianity that predominated, like, especially, you know, in the early colonial times is Calvinism, which is one of the most radical of a religion that is prone to some tricky things. Like there are some, I mean, there's some beautiful uh, liberationist Christians, right? But yes. like the kind of, of Christianity predominant in America that shaped America was Calvinism. And Calvinism believes that we are all inherently sinful and bad people. And it's the, it's the version where, why this, there's so much slut shaming, even in people who aren't religious, because you're not supposed to show any flesh, you know? Right. Is because you have to you have to keep yourself free from sin, and that is the thing that even if you aren't, I, I like the way that you were talking about that because there are so many people who are, who are like Christian in the way that they interact with the world without being Christian because it's so woven into everything. Yes. Yeah, um, and I, I, also a uh, horophobia is another is another thing. Yeah, that is just that's also part and parcel of the whole situation. Yeah, I can't tell you how many times over the years I've said to someone are you Christian? And they say, no. And I know that they're Christian. I can tell by every single thing about them. And they say, no. And I say, no, but aren't you Christian? And then they say, no. And I'm like, well, do you celebrate Christmas? And they say, yes. And I say, do you celebrate Thanksgiving? And they say, yes. And I, which is of course a Christian holiday. I don't care what Americans say. It's a fucking Christian holiday. Um, and of course, you know, the conversation pulls out and they're like, well, I don't believe in Jesus. Therefore I'm not a Christian. And that, I don't have that privilege. I'm a Jew, whether or not I go to synagogue or I follow the Torah or I'm religious at all. Every other religion is what they are other than Christians. It's only Christians that get to uh, not identify. And that is a privilege that I think we need to talk about more because of the rise of religious extremism. And all of these manifestos from these ter white terrorists they are all specifically Christian and they are against people of other religions, not just other races. And so we must be intersectional in this way in our thinking, which again requires people to be willing to excavate their own feelings, their cultural assumptions um, and their privilege, you know? And, yeah. and that's a really, it's a difficult, difficult thing. And I think that we, I don't think we're ready for as a, as, a, a, as a culture for what's coming in the context of religious extremism. I don't think that most people are really thinking that part through enough. Mm -hmm. um, and it's easy to get like outraged on social media, but that's really different than being educated about what these people believe and what they're willing to do um, and what they're going to kind of hoist upon us. We're in trouble. It's real. Yeah. Um, that is very, very real. Um, before we go into that and, and also talk about one couple of specific things, I wanted to take a couple of like transit and sort of, since we have you talk about those specifically, but one of the things that you said sparked off a thought in me, which is that, and I hear this a lot in black and queer spaces and I understand it. And I, in fact, think <laughs> if anyone from a more marginalized group than you decides to be gentle in educating you, you should be grateful. 
However, on the other end of that, we live in a worse world than we thought we did, right? And I don't, I mean, I'll say this with my whole chest, like talking to cis, white, heterosexual people about certain things, it's like talking to a child. They have not any knowledge of it. They have no experience of it. In fact, they have been taught otherwise, right? They have been believing in the tooth fairy and you're like, there's no tooth fairy, there's no Santa Claus. And by the way, your grandfather probably went to a lynching. You know what I mean? Like it, these are the truths of life and they don't have to deal with them. Yeah. And that is, you know, I, I like to sometimes think of things as like taxes rather than privileges because everybody's kind of screwed by this system, whether or not they realize it. And that's kind of the underpinning thing of all this. But like, if you can walk out of your house and not be looked at a certain way because you are perceived as femme, that's a tax you don't have to pay going about your day. If you are not a person of color, visibly, right? That is a tax you don't have to pay going through your day, right? It's just all of these things are things that make your life more difficult. They're more obstacles, right? So the privilege is in not dealing with those, which means that you don't see them. So when people, we talk about privilege, people are like, well, I didn't get anything extra. No, you didn't get anything extra you just don't have these things taken away from you all day every day just to live yes and i am trying to be everywhere that i appear on the internet a, like if it's someone who's approaching in good faith i'm like you know i i need to do this in a way where i don't make you feel like i'm talking to a child but i know that you want to learn and you don't know and i know that if i say something a certain way it's going to upset you and offend you and as much as that annoys me having to deal with it we need it a hundred percent with you. And this is one of those things where I feel like as a person in her late forties, as I am, I couldn't have had patience with people in the way I do now in my twenties. There's no way in hell. And in my thirties, no, maybe my late thirties, but no, not my thirties. Yeah. Uh, I think that some of this is about like for adults on the internet, whether I'm talking about chronological adults or just adults, um, you have an opportunity, you don't have to take it because it's a burden, but it's also an opportunity because there's something that comes with age, which is the capacity to communicate about certain things um, and also have boundaries. It's very hard to have boundaries at any age, at any stage, but most certainly. Yes. Um, I, I think it's really about being able to do the labor of figuring out how do I communicate with this person and actually make an impact and to know that that doesn't mean you don't have boundaries with it. And mm. that's the work. It's, I mean, and it's not work for everyone to do, you know, and what a fucking world. It's such a, it's, it's a real, it's a rough time. It's a rough time to be alive. <sighs> that is yeah. very true. Um, and that yeah, just makes me think of the fact that I, yeah, I would love to do a, like, you know, like a nerdy astrological nerdy show where we like to talk about a chart or something, but that is yeah. not the show, but just sometime. Um, so let's talk about the eclipses mm -hmm. and anything that, um, you know, your thoughts about eclipse season as it is and anything that you think that we saw particularly that is like a, you know, a good uh, example of what those eclipses maybe meant. Um, anything that you want to share along those lines? Sure. So there's lots to say, you know, within eclipse season and, and for folks who don't know, um, eclipses always happen in pairs. We have a solar eclipse and a lunar eclipse. A solar eclipse is occurs on a new moon and a lunar eclipse occurs on a full moon. And uh, this particular eclipse season, we also had the Jupiter-Pluto sextile become exact. And this is when the Roe v. Wade uh, documents were leaked. It was within 24 hours of it being an exactitude. Um, and 
that intensifies everything. So eclipses are lunar events, which means they're emotional, they're personal. And what we saw with the first eclipse was people getting activated, but with the second eclipse, which was just the 15th, was it the 15th? Yes, it was the 15th of May. And we all know this was, again, within 24 hours, I believe, of the uh, Buffalo Massacre. And a couple of shootings. There was five mass shootings that weekend. Five. Five. Mm-hmm. Sorry. It just makes me so emotional because I had, do you know how much time it takes to Google all five of them? Because the media can only focus on one at a time. And listen, chose the right one to focus on. But five mass shootings. My God. Anyways, so the second eclipse, the lunar eclipse, was the scary one. It was the scary one. It was a lunar eclipse in Scorpio. There was a lot going on in the chart. And, you know, without getting too um, nerdy and technical, what I can say is that um, what we're dealing with is consequences. It's Mm. nothing new. The events that transpired through eclipse season were the embodiment of what's happening. They weren't new things happening. They They were technically new events. But... It's as you know, we've been talking about, and you specifically have been doing a very good job articulating. It's like this is a continuation of a long developing story. That's what this is. Yeah. And so, the way that eclipses function is that crazy shit goes down, and then six months it takes to integrate. And so, the cultural impact of that particular massacre is going to continue to play out over the next six months. And I I don't know what that's going to look like. Uh, I have a hard time separating as an astrologer, the events that happened the weekend of the 15th, the events that happened with the Jupiter-Pluto sextile, which was, um, hold on, let me give you the exact date of it because I have it um, somewhere very close by. Sorry, Uh, it was on the 3rd of May. So I have a hard time separating those things from each other because it's a two week period. And I have a hard time separating that from the Pluto return. And all to say this, this is um, this is a confrontation with our shame. It's a confrontation mm-hmm. with hatred. It's a confrontation with, I mean, it's, I guess, really, if I could just be succinct, it's war. This is war. Mm-hmm. And the history books will say that we were in a civil war now. We're not calling it that yet. I don't know why. I mean, I do know why. We don't want to activate the left. We don't want to activate people of color to do something, to stand up. So we're not calling it a civil war. But it's a fucking war. This is white nationalist terrorism. And it is literally terrorism. I, I cannot tolerate calling it anything less. Because this guy, his whole thing was, I want to create terror. I mean... Uh, there's yeah. no other way of talking about it. And, and then this is just talking about the domestic implications. There are things happening around the world. You know, we are on the, on the brink of a world war. Um, Sweden, in this eclipse moment, was like, okay, remember how we're neutral? No, no, we're not neutral. We want in on NATO. That's a big fucking deal. And Finland, too, yeah. And Finland. But I feel like the stereotype of, like, Swedish, like, being, Sweden being neutral it's like it's a fucking thing like it's again we're talking about branding right and make no mistake that the pluto return um of the united states is not just about what happens here domestically it's about how we are regarded on the global stage how other nations engage with us and i don't know like i'm not sure if i'm giving you like if i'm answering the question succinctly i guess i can say this before the eclipse the lunar eclipse I had lots of really logical things to say. And since that massacre, I have been at an uncharacteristic loss for words because 
it's so heartbreaking. And it's also, it's the beginning of something truly terrifying that I don't want to live through. And I'm from refugees on both sides, from very different regions of the world on both sides. Um, and I have no illusions of how quickly uh, things can change. And I know that it's very cool on social media to like invoke burning it all to the grounds. And it's cathartic to say that. But mm -hmm. when systems collapse, they collapse on the most vulnerable, on the marginalized. They do not collapse on the perpetrators of harm. So it is a dangerous thing to invoke. It is a dangerous thing to invoke. And I have no faith in our governing bodies. And we need governance, you know? Um, we're too big of a country. We're too big of a country and, and it's real scary. So anyways, I took it in a direction, not completely astrological, but here we are. No, um, I'm, I'm, I'm with you and mirroring all that. Um, and yeah, I mean, as a Taurus, uh, so many personal things have been happening for me and so many changes. And I am currently unhinged and in a way that I am happy about because I have, <laughs> it's like I said earlier, I, you know, I don't want to be right, but I've been trying to tell people as soon as I found out, right? Because I didn't know, right? I, I grew up here as well. I didn't know. I grew up around mostly rich white people when I was younger, except for like I had kind of a dual existence because like my church was in a poor black neighborhood and my school was, and I was kind of in the middle. Mm -hmm. And so I kind of got to see both things, which I guess is why I have, I was able to kind of assimilate all of it. But what you said about like not being able to put it into words, to me, that's fine because mm -hmm. what we do need and the problem with liberals people and when i say liberals i mean liberals like derogatory <laughs> like not leftists not like marginalized people people who have control of the institutions that are supposed to be to protect the people they are disconnected from the struggles they are disconnected and they always have been and so incremental things have been fine for them and here's the thing when i hear people say like we need to burn it all down i'm like no because <laughs> we live in those things that we want to burn down. Thank you. But yeah. also, we do need to destroy this system. And we need to talk about what that means practically. Mm -hmm. Because 95% of what getting rid of a system is, is building. It is not destroying. There are yeah. so few people that need to be part of destroying anything. I do not support nor condone anything illegal, uh, whatever. But most of us, are going to be doing the job of building. And that's yes. what we need to be doing, but we need to do it in a way that is uncompromising. We need to be unhinged about it. We need to not let people be like, no, 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 you're going too hard. You're going. That's why the letter from a Birmingham jail keeps coming up about the white moderate being the primary barrier to our peace and freedom for all people, much less yeah. people of color. Because this whole thing where, you know, there is no more convenient season for a person's life, for a person's freedom. We cannot wait another two years until the next vote. We cannot wait. We have to start doing things now. And also you get people who are like, well, look, what does my one little boycott do? It's, it's, it's the corporations that are doing it all. Yes, that is true. How do you stop interacting with the corporations? You stop interacting with the corporations as much as you can. And the more money you have, the more opportunity you have to do that. A poor person is going to buy a Walmart because that's what they can afford because the system yes. is shit. But rich people, you don't have to do that. You can so, do so let's. So let me jump in on that because this is really important. And I, because I counsel people in the Bay Area, 
let's talk about what is a rich person. Because mm -hmm. I will tell you, I will have a client come in and they make $20,000 a year. They make $60,000 a year in the San Francisco Bay Area, which is just like making that money in New York, right? It, right. It's more expensive out here probably because there's less housing, there's less real estate here. So those people are the ones who have kind of like, they're the ones who are more likely to tip. They're the ones who um, are not obsessed with like, when will I make money? Once you cross that $100,000, $120,000 threshold, that's all of my clients who make hundreds of thousands of dollars a year will inevitably ask me about money and specifically when will they make a lot of money because the more mm. you have the higher your standard of living and the higher your standard of living the more expenses you have so you may hear and this is a really important part of the conversation because if we want to reach people we have to like we have to understand this somebody's making three hundred thousand dollars a year is that a rich person no not necessarily. I mean, in Idaho, without children, maybe, uh, but even like without children, $300,000 a year in Manhattan, San Francisco, and like one of these big expensive cities, you're middle class at the end of the day. And it shouldn't be. I remember when I grew up in the 80s, I was like, doctors make $60,000 a year. That's a lot of money. And the, the truth of the matter is, you know, when we talk about wealthy people from a progressive place, there are some people who are like, that's me. But most people do not think of themselves as wealthy enough to not shop at Amazon because they're trying to save money so that they can replace the roof or whatever it is. And I think that this is something I really struggle with, like figuring out how, how can we talk about this so that we bring more people into the mix? Like what are the alternatives? Yeah. To, and this is like to your point of most of us have to build. We don't have to tear it down. The system's tearing everything down on its own. It doesn't need our help. What we need to do is figure out like, okay, so what are the alternatives that are viable for people of different uh, classes, for upper classes, whatever that means? You have it. Um, so huh, I have been doing this suburb series for precisely this reason, because you have to consider the expenses. You have to consider what is expected of you. You have to keep consider keeping up with the Joneses. And you have to consider also that the more money you have, the more money you, you know, you spend, right? Until you get to a very high level. And at that point, you actually spend less money because you get everything for free and right. then you get all these capital. The less you do, right? Essentially, in this world, the more there you are, make. There are objectively wealthy people, but then there's a lot of people in this more gray area. Yeah. And, and that is a really important conversation for us to have. It, it really is. I mean, also, you know, there are things that you can get at a discount when you make a certain amount of money and then that goes away and then your your rate your everything skyrockets like your taxes skyrocket before yeah. you're making enough money to really live most of my career or i would say more than half of my career all of my savings every year goes to taxes like i i can i haven't been able to really get ahead with the yeah. savings and that's very normal i mean it's very normal and i don't have kids and i didn't go to school so i don't have debt you know and, and so i'm in a great privileged position uh in that regard but I mean, I don't want to derail this conversation too much because it's such a good one, but I do think that's like one of our assignments as progressives to figure out how to talk about this and, and to offer, uh, you know, like what's the alternative to the most convenient and affordable thing? Let me drop, this needs to be said basically every time I can say it. Um, so speaking of, 
Henry Ford and Robert Moses. The suburbs are how Americans continue to be radicalized and continue to be racially separated, which makes things more difficult. Uh, however, suburbs are also controlled by HOAs, which is like a shadow government. And it maintains certain standards. So the first thing that you can do uh, if you are in a suburb is start growing. You have this big lawn because we've tried to make each person's house their castle, like in some sort of literal and metaphorical way, right? You're not allowed to grow your own food in suburbs. Infuriating. And that's one of the first things. There is no mass transit in suburbs on purpose. You have to have a car. Buy an old school bus, get together with your neighbors, do that, you will save money. You will actually build community in suburbs, which are not built to build community. They're built to do the opposite. They are built to silo people and essentially warehouse you in the same way that, you know, not in the same way, in a, a, a mirrored way as people are in like, you know, housing projects and shit. You are put there and separated. You go into work and then you go back and that's your life. You are isolated, you're in your car. No, don't do that. Save yourself money, right? All of the strategies that I uh, that I'm that I posit are things that work on two levels at least. One of them is economic, and the other is social. Yes, and it's all very it's all very easy. It's all right there, and all it takes is just starting to do it. That's one of the reasons that I do so much of, of my you know my gardening with like showing people how to grow stuff in containers, right? I have, you know, in a, in a bucket, I've got so many potatoes now because I just put some potatoes in an old broken bucket that was used for moving. And these things are all there. All of this stuff is just reconnecting ourselves with the ways that we're supposed to be interacting with this world, with this life, with this planet, with each other. And, and it's all right there. And we are, we feel like, we feel like it's not realistic. People yes. are like, the first question I get whenever I say I grow my own food in the city is like, is that possible? And that's an easy answer. The answer is yes. The second one is you're not going to feed yourself with that. Can you like, how, how do you expect to feed yourself? I don't expect to feed myself. I expect to do what I can and have everyone else do what they can. And we all help each other. And that is what we do. You're not supposed to do this to, alone. I mean, this is so important. This perfectionism of if it doesn't feed you, or if it's a relationship and it doesn't last forever, then it's not, it's, there's no value to it. And I think that what you're talking about is so important. It's, we don't need to do everything all at once. We just need to do the right thing. That's yeah. all. And that builds on itself. And you don't know who you're inspiring. You can work with people that you might not other, otherwise talk to. Uh, and I think it's so important. I think what you're talking about is so important. And there are so many ways of working around this stuff with hydroponics. You can have, you can be growing food in your house. And if you do live in the suburbs and you have like a shed, you just create a wall of windows. It, you can very cheaply and excessively on the East coast, not just on the West coast, have a greenhouse where you're growing food year round and it mm -hmm. can feed you. I mean, hopefully not exclusively feed you because it'd be boring to eat like that, but it, <laughs> it's possible. And I think these conversations require a curiosity and, and adaptability, which are not very American uh, qualities. But again, we're coming back to like Christian qualities, right? We're not supposed to be adaptable. We're not supposed to be curious. We're not supposed to ask too many questions. We're supposed to fall in line and do what the community members do. And I think that's true of all religions. I don't mean to say it's exclusive to Christianity, but this is the culture we're in. Yeah. And I think what you're talking about is incredibly important and it's a great reflection for me because I've never lived in a suburb and I, I mean, I've been in suburbs, 
but like mainly to go to like county fairs and stuff like that. Yeah. <laughs> don't have that as like a point of reference very much. Yeah. Um, but it's it's so important because so many people do live there, right? So it's um, these numbers are probably a little bit different now, but uh, I I did a series on this and like 175 million Americans oh my live God. in suburbs. Yes, which is more than if you put urban and rural added together. Most people in America live in suburbs. I had no idea. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I didn't either until I looked it up. Not relevant. I just assumed it wasn't real, but I guess it makes sense. I mean, I live in Oakland, California, and it is, it has like more of a suburban feel than any place else I've lived because there's houses and I've never lived yeah. in a place with houses before. Um, hmm. I've lived in places with lots of like high rises, which Oakland has, but there's, I don't know if you've been to Oakland, but anyways, um, oh, it's a great town. Come visit. <laughs> um, all to say, I, I think, I think that this is such an important conversation and in relationship to the Pluto return, if I can make it astrological. Please, yeah. The misuse of space and resources is implicated in the Pluto return because mm -hmm. we do not have a limitless supply of water and space and air quality, etc. And so this implicates suburban living. Right. Because yeah. if these places burn, if there's not enough water, uh, then the way that people live so isolated and, and with such, taking up so much space, taking up so many resources, it's not going to be sustainable. Yeah. And so these kinds of communities need to change in order to survive what's coming is, is my guess. Yes. Um, forget the ethics of it, you know, but yeah. yeah. Absolutely. I mean, and, and, you know, another one of those things is, you know, all these suburban houses just put up solar. That way you save money. And then you also don't need to be connected to the fossil fuel industries. Yeah. It, all of it is, it, it's like everything makes sense on a practical level and on the level of rebuilding a different kind of society and system. And like, I am definitely a, we have to end this system kind of person. I do believe, I believe it it's not even like, I don't believe it's a slogan. I believe it's a flat statement of fact. It's like, I, we can't keep doing this. It's not, it's not sustainable. We're done. But I don't mean we need to destroy the literal people, humans, because systems are something that exist outside of us and they are mostly ideological. Most of the revolution needs to occur inside of our brains and in our actions. Mm -hmm. And that spreads. Yes. Hope spreads just as surely as, you know, as despair spreads. And having said that, we should, we should feel some despair. We should feel yeah. it. Yeah. Just don't get stuck there because beyond that despair is the realization that every piece of hope you felt before now was false. It was a lie. It wasn't real. It was either that you were indoctrinated and you are close enough or adjacent enough to power that you thought you would be fine regardless of what happened, or you were just so busy trying to survive that you never had time to contemplate what could be another way of living that is not far out of sight. And we are being blocked from it. And I feel so much more genuinely hopeful than I ever have in my life since at least I figured out what the hell was going on because the only way we could ever be free is for all this to come down. And there are, we're finding out right now, every person who's like a centrist or a liberal, you either have a quiet right winger or a miseducated leftist. There is no middle and there never has been. Yep. And now we're going to find out, we're all going to find out who we are as people. And that is uncomfortable. 
You know, it's uncomfortable to actually think about and, you know, to get what some people consider to be, I don't know, like bombastic or whatever. But like, there's going to be when we say tough times, like literally, if you live in the South, especially like anywhere, but especially in places that where you are occupied by the government and by 12, by the police. Please expect there that there was a trans a trans girl when the police went up for like truancy or whatever, went up into her house while she was streaming, took her door off the hinges, mocked her, all this, right? And people were like, well, she was truant. So whatever. No, 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 no. I, I saw that too. And I was that anyone would defend what the cops did is terrifying. Terrifying. It's terrifying. But this is the thing. Cops are terrifying. And it is easier for so many people to imagine that they have our best interests at heart, that they are a reliable resource, than to really look at the reality of how tenuous our safety is and our society is. Like it, it's, I agree with everything you're saying, a hundred percent, a hundred percent. And yeah. Let's, um. so there's a couple of things coming up and you know, like there was a whole lot of Pisces energy not you know long ago but uh now a lot of those some of those planets have shifted into aries and it's like going from like the the dreamy delta and like getting fired out of a rocket <laughs> and and like a lot of things are shooting off uh in that direction well let me reframe that for a moment Please. because that's that's the like classic way of describing it this is my way of describing it um we have come through a period of activated religious extremism and now we simply have aggressive activation. And we see this, if we look back 12 years previous, when Jupiter was last in Pisces, it's when the Tea Party came into prominence in American politics. Right. And the Tea Party is now in our Supreme Court. The Tea Party is now, you know, now we have to worry about Q. Next time Jupiter is in Pisces, Q. That's what we're gonna have to worry about. These people in American politics running mm. the damn show. And when I say Q, I mean the, Essentially, again, evangelical conspiracy theorist, white nationalist, Q party. Yeah, just keep rebranding and finding a new. I mean, drift. it's just Nazis. Yeah. I mean, like we just, you know, it's just Nazis. So we call all the things, but it's all fucking Nazis. <laughs> and I don't you. care if it's like white, woo, wide-brimmed hat spiritualists. Yes. So if you're aligned with those ideologies, you are aligned with Nazism and white nationalism. It's the same fucking thing. And we have to talk Say about that. this, right? We have to talk about this stuff, but. Anyways, the shift from Pisces to Aries, and keep in mind, Jupiter is going to go back into Pisces in the autumn when the American government is, is predicting and the World Health Organization is predicting a spike in COVID, which absolutely, of yes, course. absolutely, but it's already happening anyways. Um, but what we're going to see is this like the Aryan, and I don't mean white, I mean Aries in, um, the Aryan uh, toxic aggressiveness um, paired with the entitlement of the spiritual extremism mm. is a recipe for fucking disaster in the context of the current political and social climate we're living in domestically and globally. So, you know, I take no pleasure in being accurate about these things. When I predicted COVID in 2017, it made me miserable. It made yeah. my partner unhappy. I mean, yes, I had years to prepare and I did, but it is terrible to be right about bad things. I would like to be wrong. And I wanna just say this for the world to hear, like I would prefer to be wrong. Um, my predictions give me no joy because they're terrible. But 
it, felt. We're in trouble. We are in trouble. This shift into Aries and Mars goes out of bounds. Jupiter, um, Venus goes out of bounds. In fact, Mars goes back into Aries, I believe at the end of this month, May of 2022. And the last time Mars was in Aries was when COVID first landed. Mm. Oh, this, yeah, yeah we're, we're in a goddamn time. And so I imagine that we're going to, in this period, uh, develop more understanding of the neurological implications of COVID uh, because Mars is associated with uh, our blood, our musculature, and our head. Um, so not the brain specifically, but, but, but it's right up in there. Um, I think that we're, we're going to hit a whole new thing with COVID, unfortunately. But this cannot be separated from talking about the economy, talking about policing, talking about the liberation and oppression of peoples. Yes. Because it's a mass disabling event. And it's an excuse for uh, further invasion of privacy. You know, I mean, again, we're in trouble. What was it that was just passed um, by the Supreme Court that corporations can give unlimited, unlimited. money to mm -hmm. politicians? So CVS is the goddamn devil and they are selling our information. If you can avoid CVS, do. Um, just like if you can avoid fucking Bezos and his products, do. Yeah. Um, but these are these are things that, it's so much all at once that it makes us shut down. Yes. And that's Pluto for you, right? Everything all at once, so I shut down. I disassociate, I act out. And this is where we, again, I wanna just keep on bringing the conversation back to cultivating the emotional intelligence, the emotional maturity to be able to say like, oh shit, I am, I am spinning. So I need to tap out, what can I do to fortify myself so that I can come back in? Tap hmm. out and then come back in because nobody, no one amongst us can stay sane and deal with this 24 hours a day, 365 and make an impact. It's not humane. Right. And yeah. so anyways, um, obviously, yes. But my question is and my feeling is and it's partially based on hope, but partially based on what I have seen in my experiences through like, you know, I started like. March activism, I call it, <laughs> when I, uh, in like 2014 or 2015, it was like very marching? marching. Yes, yes, mm -hmm. yes. Um, what I, I guess, my question is this: as all of the fuck shit is on the rise, I feel like there is also a rise of uh, an answer to that, mm -hmm. and it doesn't have the power nor the visibility because it is not in control. But I know based on what I've seen from even just the change in myself and from the change in other people that I am aligned with. And just from like, you know, being a person on the internet who is in connection with like 50,000 people, right? Like, like I can see the shit and even friends of mine, right? Friends of mine who were people who used to yell at me for talking bad about Obama. Now they're like, okay, so how do I get involved in mutual aid? And how do I do this? Because supervillains and superheroes are born at the same time and in the same fires. Yeah. And I think that one of the things that we need to be willing to do is stop calling people grandiose or ostentatious for sitting in their power and saying things like, we need to fucking make a change. We need to do like when people say like we need a revolution, you're like, oh yeah, these like Twitter revolutionaries. And yes, sometimes those people aren't doing shit, but 
Twitter is the way to communicate with millions of people. And that's how we get ideas into people's heads quickly that never could have gotten into their heads before. They wouldn't have gotten them at school. They wouldn't have gotten them through CNN or MSNBC and heavens forfend through Fox. They would get the opposite, mm -hmm. right? So these, you know, the internet space, I think there is there are reasons to malign it, but also reasons to appreciate it as literally one of our best hopes for like so-called radicalizing people, which I don't think is radicalizing people. I think it's actually just making them be like normal. It's just connecting. It's just connecting with it's people. It's just connecting. So that's yeah. all, you know, and I, I agree with you and I'm going to give a big fat but, uh, which is, <laughs> listen, Elon Musk tried to buy fucking Twitter during a Venus-Neptune conjunction. That dumbass. He needs a fucking astrologer. I'm glad he doesn't have one. I don't want him to win. But yeah, big purchases on, on a Venus-Neptune conjunction, they don't go well. They don't go well. And that's why he's trying to back out. And Twitter's like, fuck you, bitch. Give us the money. Mm -hmm. You made a whole show. Now we want to see the whole show. Whatever. We'll see what happens. Made a show. Let's see the dough. Exactly. <laughs> so whether we're talking about Meta, the monster, whether we're talking about the owners of TikTok, the racists, mm -hmm. uh, we're talking about Twitter, whether it's owned by whoever the fuck owns it, these platforms are not safe. They do not have the people's interests at heart. And Absolutely. as we are at the Saturn return of the internet, and we are looking again at the first thing we talked about, which is the right to privacy being curtailed. We need, uh, and this is not my form, my place of expertise, but we need a decentralized platform where we can meet each other online. And so this is this is a really important part of organizing. It's an important part of having our identities um, seen, validated, engaged with online in a safe way, and not having it used against us by the state. You you hit one of my my like magic buttons, which is Mastodon. Mastodon. Yes, yes. there these exist. Yeah. These decentralized platforms. And the reason that I have, I've been trying to push people to Mastodon for a long time. And the reason that they don't is because you don't get a curated feed that is based on surveilling you and like hacking your brain 24 hours a day. So it's, it's not confusing. as. It's I've confusing. gone on Mastodon and I've never like clicked with it because it's really confusing and it feels it, it, it just feels like I don't really know what I'm supposed to do here. And and so I just kind of don't do anything. And so this is where we need to, while we can, yeah. use the platforms we're on to be educated about the platforms we need to go to. Yes. And and this needs to happen before we need it to happen. Mm -hmm. Because we're, once we need it to happen, it is too it's late. Too late. It's too late. And so it's like, I would take your workshop on how to use Mastodon because I've heard so many people I trust online be like, go to Mastodon. And I've, I'm just like, okay, but what do I do? I'm here. What do I do? Like, it doesn't make any sense. And do you yeah. remember there was Ello at a time when- I do. Yeah. I mean, I still get notifications of people following me on Ello. I don't know if they're real or if they're trolls. I haven't been on Ello in a million years. But again, it was kind of like, what do you do here? Like, I don't know what to do. And so I didn't do anything. And this is the problem is it's kind of like suburbs, right? It's like, it's yeah. convenient. And I'm too busy. I don't want to learn a platform. I just want to go on and do my damn thing. Um, I mean, so, that that ties in for me with, I think that is exactly the obstacle we're at right now on every level, which yeah. is, I think it's kind of like what I was saying earlier, where it's like, you know, what do you do on there is literally the same thing, anything, but you just have to get used to it. Like the first year that you plant food, the first time you fight your HOA to get a garden put in, you're not going to know what to do. You're going to make a bunch of mistakes. It's going to be a mess, right? When you first 
do any new thing, it's going to be the opportunity cost of learning and of losing ease. But I mean, to talk briefly about uh, like a, an even more esoteric thing, like exiting the age of the father and into the age of the child, the aeon of the father and age, into the age of the child and the age, the, you know, the aeon of the father is about being told what to do, creating of these big structure systems. And yes, you get like some very cool stuff. You get rockets, you get big skyscrapers, but you also get total domination and control and also a lot of cruelty. The era of the child is about play. It's about creativity. It's about building. And it's about basically being like, what do I want to do today? Oh, I want to do whatever the fuck I want to do because the most productive people are children because they just do stuff because they want to do it and because they see a thing that needs to be done or that they want to do and they just create it. And that I think is the, that's the true heart and spirit of what our movement needs is, you know, again, to me, the, the, the tagline is we need to be thinking about what we want to build and create, not what we want to destroy, because focusing on that and being like, we need to take down this thing and going running headlong at it. That's why police have 50% of every city budget and why our military has 50% of our national budget, because they know what happens when people get upset eventually. And I'm saying, don't meet them. Don't meet them on the streets. Mm -hmm. Don't do it. You know what? You get together with people and you say, we don't need you. We're going to create systems that make you fucking obsolete and irrelevant. See, That's where that. the hope is. That's where the hope is. That's where it's constructive. And we want to keep in mind that the Pluto return of the United States is in Capricorn. We need to keep it constructive. Mm -hmm. um, and I do think that there's a place for all the things, for the marching, for the organizing, for, you know, there's different strokes, different folks. That's fine. But the, the kind of foundational bit of what you're saying is accessible and revolutionary in equal parts. It's yes. building solutions and not being as fixated on losing energy on the problems. Uh, it's building solutions together. Yeah. And this is a thing, again, that I really see with a lot of white people is this feeling of like, I am special and I know I have something to give. I have to figure out what my thing is to give. And I never really fully understood this until 2020 and when I had a podcast and I was getting so many questions and I got so many questions from people who wanted to be special and wanted to feel like they were gonna make a difference. And that's not the right approach to community work. Yeah. You know what I'm saying, right? I, I do, I do. Um, I will not, not even a but, but a yes and, like you will be special if you are the person that is doing the thing you won't be the only one right but you will be special especially if you are like if you want to know what your role is your role is to show all the people around you is to radiate that like radical hope not like simple idle well i hope this goes with no no put in work like you said Pluto being in Capricorn, the keyword of, of, of Capricorn is use. You got you to gotta do stuff. You got to use stuff, mm -hmm. you know, and the tools are already there. That's what I, that's what I, that's the thing is that we don't need to reinvent the wheel. There are organizers. There are movements. Yes. There are leaders. There are people who didn't just figure this out. They figured it out 30 years ago. They figured it out a hundred years ago. Like mm -hmm. there are resources out there. And so find your specialness without needing to be the creator of things. Yes. Uh, I think that that's Absolutely. really what it's about. And, you know, it's like to your point of like, get a damn school bus. 
you don't need to have your own individual car in the suburbs. And, you know, some people will be like, yes, I do. I don't like people or, you know, I don't want to have to collaborate. Fine. Okay, fine. That's not the thing that'll work for you. But I think it's about recognizing that there are ideas out there. There are people who have tried things. And, you know, it's like the way I say it is so Capricorn. It's like get in line, get in formation, you know, follow people who are already leading, who've already done the legwork. And I feel like I need to find a more exciting positive fun way of saying that because <laughs> i'm just like just go do the work and that doesn't work for everyone but i but ultimately i think um i think that this is a scary time and we all have a role to play and for those of us who choose to do nothing uh that's your role and i and i think that that is you know to be as i say to be neutral in the presence of oppression is to take the side of the oppressor. And mm -hmm. even if you are also being oppressed, you yeah. know, um, and I think that we are mm -hmm. in a place where no one gets to sit out. If you choose to sit out, then you are participating. That yes. is simply a passive form of participation, which is its own form of violence. And we must be willing to be in that, to acknowledge that. You know, there's certain things that I'm just, I'm not an organizer. I'm not an organizer. I've never been good at it. I'm not an organizer, but I'm a spiritual person. I have my resources and my tools and my ways I can be activated. And when I got out of my own way, because my whole life, I've had friends who are activists and I've always been like, well, I'm not an activist. I'm nothing like my, these people. Um, I'm not the bravest person in the world in certain situations where my other friends have been very brave. Um, I am psychic. So when I get in groups of people, especially with a lot of emotion, I get flattened. And I've been marching for many years, so it does, it's not like it stopped me, but it's like, I've always felt this sense of like, I don't know what my way is. I don't know what my voice is. And when I finally accepted what my limitations were, I was able to see what my assets were. And I think that that's an important thing. I didn't have to figure out like a way to do something. I just had to figure out who I was. Mm. And, and that's about self-acceptance. And again, that's we're back to emotional bad. intelligence, right? Yeah. It's foundational to successful movements. Mm. Um, that really is. <laughs> so we did not cover a lot of things and uh, we are coming up to like I an hour and a half, which it. is I, 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 the end of our time. I don't, I don't, I don't like it. I don't like it. There's so much more I want to say. And we look, let's just, we have to do it more often. Yeah. It's, it's just, it's just a thing. Um, I love that as a way to sort of wrap up like in a hopeful way, which is like, yeah, it's not about finding a role. It's about finding yourself and just being it. And I think that was the gift of the lockdown and the reason that they won't do that again. Because the other thing about COVID is you need to be angrier about it rather than sick of it. This was done to us. I mean, it was going to happen, right? But in America, we have an order of magnitude, more deaths. We are the global plague rats. We just let it rip. And then we, because we all wanted to go on vacation because we are all American. And it's like, look, I get that you were tired of the, the lockdown and it was unsustainable. I get that, but also I kind of don't get that because like, if there's poison outside, you don't go outside and breathe poison. I don't know what to fucking tell you, right? But like, this was done to us. Yeah. And it wasn't done in that way that like, you know, the weird, you know, white rose group conspiracists believe it was done to us in the way that they saw that when they gave us enough money 
and told us to just chill, that a lot of people started protesting and seeing what was going on and getting activated and fighting back. And they were like, eh, absolutely not. Absolutely not. So yes. we're just going to pull the ripcord and go full eugenics with this. And who, who lives, lives. And the other thing I'll say about that is that somebody said something to me the other day that um, didn't say to me, I saw it um, on, a, on a post, but it was from a doctor. And they were like, you know, we could consider what we know polio as to be long polio because a bunch of people caught polio, got a little sick and were fine. No big deal. But the ones who got the more advanced version of it are what we know as polio sufferers. And the same thing is probably going to be true of, of C-19, right? It's similar to, you know, in the 70s uh, with, with HIV, right? It was the same sort of arc when a new thing comes out. And then you have, especially right now, people trying to downplay it and trying to get people spending and not to calm down, not to stop, which is what we're being told by like the universe, the great sky turtle, whatever. It's like, nope, stop. Look at what you're doing. Look at what's going on. You have to. And we are being forced to keep grinding. And that's why there's so many sparks flying. We are grinding these like, you know, universal gears basically, and it's killing us all. And so this, all of our problems have the same, same solution. It's all the same people. It's the same vulture class. It is the same oligarchic, you know, masters or whatever you want to call them. Right. And whether you are, you know, a person who can be pregnant, right? Whether you are an LGBTQ person, whether you are a poor person, whether you are a person who is not Christian, right? All of these different things, they are all beset by the same tiny group of people, right? And I, I, like I say this to, you know, to, 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 my, to my Black comrades, like, you can't think that you will be able to solve this problem with only other Black people. We are 12% of this country. We are some of the most controlled people yes. in human history. Yes. And also all skin folk ain't kin folk. Look at the fucking Supreme Court, right? You can't go on the same idea that created your oppression, which is that skin color means that's what a person is mm -hmm. and, and end those problems. We have to unify with other people who have the right heart and have the right spirit and are willing, of course, to unlearn their anti-blackness. Because if they're not, then fuck them. But if they are, even if they're at a nascent stage and get it wrong, we got to be in community with them. We have to. Uh, and I mean that for every community, you know, for, for everyone. This is not about anyone individually. It's about either whether we survive together or we all die. And that's just the truth of the matter. Yeah, I mean, I would add my Capricorn two cents at the very end, Please. which is dying would be a pleasure based compared to what's possible. I, I think it's very Indeed. important. Again, on the internet, people talking about this is the apocalypse. Why bother? First of all, if it's the apocalypse, honey, there's a reason to bother. Second of all, it's not an apocalypse. If it was an apocalypse, I'd be chill. If it was an apocalypse, it would be over. Right. But you know what? It's too easy to say it's an apocalypse. It's not an apocalypse. It's the collapse of an empire. And within that, it's a, or like outside of that, it's a collapse of the, of the environment. This is not an apocalypse. This mm. is the beginning of a new terrible phase of human development, of human societies and civilizations. Mm. And if it was all to end, that would be easy. Yeah. That we should survive it is the struggle. And so yes. this is all to your point of we need to go together. 
We don't need to eat shit from people and we don't need to align ourselves with people who don't have our best interests at heart and don't see the dignity and the humanity in us. But we must go together. Otherwise they win. They win. And yeah. they're the minority. And I think that for me, this is a mantra because it's so easy to feel like we're the minority just because we're marginalized. Being marginalized and being the minority are not the same thing. Hmm. For instance, being disabled is not a minority condition, especially in the context of what's coming with COVID, with long COVID and this mass disabling event. But it doesn't mean it's not a marginalized uh, and maligned by the system yes. uh, demographic of people. So there's an important distinction here. If minorities and marginalized people came together, we would be the overwhelming majority. Yes. But again, we infight and we're assholes to ourselves and each other. And, and we're actively oppressed. And so yeah. it's hard to mobilize. But, you know, I, I have to say, I really love getting to talk to you for all the reasons, uh, not just because we intuitively dress matching. Um, but which, we didn't plan this, so we just... <laughs> we're just magical. We just did it. Um, just I, I love being able to talk to you about the intersection between, like, the reality of what's happening, astrology, spirituality, culture, like, all of these things, it, it's such a joy for me to get to talk about them all at once because oftentimes I can talk about one or the other and I can bring in parts, but I, I just love the way your mind works and that, uh, you know, you have a, a truly like intersectional brain. Uh, like, it's just like, you, you really are thinking about all the layers all the time. And I just, I really appreciate that. It's a real joy. It must be miserable for you, but for me, it's delightful. Yes, uh, my Capricorn moon uh, in, you know what house it is, is yeah. very deeply uncomfortable with all this, but thank you. And I appreciate it. And I feel uh, exactly the same way. Um, let's wrap up by letting people know where they can find you and they most assuredly should. Uh, they can find me on the net uh, at my website, lovelanyato.com. And there's lots of free shit upon it. Um, and my podcast is called Ghost of a Podcast. You can listen to that there um, where I have, you know, I talk about social and political things in the context of astrology as well as very personal things. Um, I have a couple apps, a web-based app, an iOS app. I have a book, Astrology for Real Relationships. I guess I got, I got some shit out there. Um, you can check out all that stuff. And if you want to like really go back in the archives, you can go on my website to the, uh, you can like watch some videos and you can see that I did a, a show, I co-hosted a show with Mecca Woods, who's another astrologer and lovely human who's New York based. Uh, and yeah, we co-hosted a show for TLC. It was like a digital astrology show. It's oh, weird, awesome. random. Yeah, it was very cute and wonderful. So, you know, I, I, have, I got shit out in the world. <laughs> yeah. Oh, I guess I should say one more thing, which is if you enjoy, if you enjoy things that other people think are creepy, you'll enjoy my, in, my Instagram because, <laughs> I definitely <laughs> like the sweet spot between creepy and adorable. And uh, yeah, it's a place to find me. Hard same. Hard same. That's like, it's like a brand, you know? Yeah. Yes. Um, love it. Okay. Well, you can find me at um, the link that is below my name. And if you're just listening, it is linktree, L-I-N-K-T-R dot E-E slash F-O-I-L-G. That's focused on infinity. Logan Grendel, but just the initials thereof. Um, thank you so fucking much, Jessica. It is yes. my joy. I, I uh, love getting to talk to you, and I wish that we were talking for three more hours minimum. 
Um, well, we'll have to space that out over the next installments, I guess. That'd be great. We'll I'm make in. them sooner. We'll make them okay, sooner. Okay, good. Let's do that. Um, thank you all for listening and please be safe. Wear a fucking mask and get a good one. N95. Yes. Don't play games because you're not wearing a mask to show anyone that you're wearing a mask. You're wearing it to stop yourself from getting sick or other people. Like it's it's serious. Thank you, and we'll talk to you soon. Bye. Shout out to the Cassandras who refused to pander and told the candid answers the best that they can about Pandora's cancers, the pessimists giving their testaments the best of it and the rest of it left to sit solo because the less of it the average git has to hear the better shout out to the soothsayers late nights sleep like pulling tooths prayers that the proof layers itself with each news day are the truth tellers the courageous news yeller is more often a bruise getter than mood setter wondering what's better the loneliness or phoniness shout out to you if you're not just sitting trying to fit in with a stiff grin while the earth caves in or burns or drowns Cities and towns waiting around for the sound of a copter swooping down. You're finally found, we wish they'd say, as if help was on the way. But like the song by R.A. we played, they never came, and they will not. The Cassandras were not wrong, and it's been so long that some passed on, dead, gone. But their words live on, in every western red dawn, every displaced fawn now on a Midwest lawn, every eastern den sogged by the long con. The box is open, and it's not closing. The toxic smoke and the barren rocks poking where there once was hope in a world unchanged. It will never be the same. But at least now you know whose name never played the game.